Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. For this month, we are going to be doing something a little different. We are going to be listening to four amazing fan favorite episodes that helped me personally change the way I thought about an aspect of God or either religion. This is all going to lead up to season three and our Talk to Me Challenge. During this month, I will be giving out more details, so be sure to join in every single week to the Finding God podcast and to our Facebook page to find out all of the details about the Talk To Me Challenge. On this week's fan favorite episode of the podcast, we're going to be listening to an interview that I did with Cash Memphis. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Cash Memphis. Hello Cash, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful today. How are you doing today, sister? I am doing amazing, and I am so excited to have you here on the podcast with us. I've heard a lot about your story, and I can't wait for the listeners to hear everything you have to say about how you found God. Well, amen. I'm I'm so I'm, I'm so pleased that you invited me, and I hope you heard all good things. Um, <laughs> no, because um, I'm you know I'm a unique kind of guy, but uh, I'm I'm so thankful that you've allowed me to share my story with your listeners today. So thank you. You're welcome. And it's all been good things, so you don't have to worry about that. I've only heard good things. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so the first question I want to ask you is, um, just tell me a little bit about your childhood and where did you grow up? So in order to know cash now, that's a good place to start, right? You know, you got to go dig into the childhood. So what I like to tell a lot of people that you know, that many people understand about me today is that um, I grew up in a very broken childhood. Um, and that's not to say I grew up um, in a bad family, um, but to grow up in brokenness um, sometimes often suggests that God has chosen us for a specific purpose and that he allows us to go through certain things. And so my childhood is, um, is or was a lot um, like many of us today, where we're struggling to find ourselves, um, where we're taking in new things every day. We're growing, and you know, it's like new experiences. And so, as a child, I really experienced a broken childhood because not a because of the experiences that I had, 
but how I dealt with them as well. So, right. So it, it's uh, the personal responsibility of being a kid. And so to know what I stand for today is really, that's the starting point based of who I am is, is if I had to put it in one word, it would be brokenness. And it's interesting that you say that because a few weeks ago, I have another podcast and it's called Music and Therapy. And I talk about different things and how they affect your relationships. And a few weeks ago, I did a podcast on um, childhood trauma. And it's amazing that you don't, people don't realize that when you grow up in certain situations and you've experienced brokenness or trauma in your life, how it follows you throughout your adult life. You know, some people are just like, oh, they're just kids. Kids get over things quickly which is slightly true, but it's not like completely true. And especially if kids don't have like therapy and counseling, because I know back when we were growing up, counseling and therapy was not something that was talked about. It's like, you got spanked, you got in trouble, you know, all this stuff happened. And regardless of what experience happened to you, they'd be like, stop crying about it. You'll get over it. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. But no one realized the effect that it had on us as we got into our adult years, because it's hard for you to get past certain things in your life without counseling or without talking to someone about it. So yeah, it's amazing that you said that because that is so true. And it happens to a lot of people throughout their childhood. You know, when we, when we grow up like that, that, that kind of was our counseling session, right? Yeah. You know, uh, we separate our generations by saying, well, my generation, we could still put hands on you, right? Like you can't, you, you know, you got discipline laws nowadays. People don't know that. But, um, you know, I, I equate part of that to, you know, it's like they, when you say they get, they get through it quick or they get over it quick, you know, I, I totally agree with you in that. And I would say that they, they, it happens quickly, but you spend the rest of your life trying to get over it. So true. So true. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, me as a kid, I'm growing through that brokenness. And then that, that seems to be a repeated part in my life, you know, that word. So yeah, that's, that's where God allowed me to be. During that time, did you have any introduction to God as a child? Were you, was your family religious? Did you go to church? Like, how did that fit into your life at that time? So when I, when I talk about that brokenness, let's say I, I use it in the context I think of as a teenager because that's where I started really getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. But when I was when I was a kid, I came to Christ when I was ten years old at a Christian um, denominational camp. It was a Baptist camp, but you know you go to camp and yeah. you know at the last evening everybody goes up to the altar and I'm like, man, I'm so intrigued. I'm like, yo, I've got to have that thing they got right. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to, I don't want to walk up there and get it. That means I'm like everybody else. Right. So I'm like saying to myself, man, you know, I don't like doing nothing like nobody else. And sometimes I think that's what set the stage for who I am now, because I've, I've always done it differently. I've always, I've been chosen differently. I've been activated differently. I do everything differently. And God calls us to be that way. And so I'm standing there and all these kids are going up, right? Mm-hmm. And this counselor says, hey, man, you want to go up and receive Jesus too? I'm like, mm, you know, kind of thing. And he's like, he's like, you, basically he's asking me, you want to go up? And I'm like, I'm like, eh, so I don't want to go up, but I'm like, 
I want what they want. He's like, I get it. He's like, would you like to receive Jesus right here? And I'm like, yes. Right. So I'm just like, I'm, you know, I can feel the emotion now I'm going. And I'm like, so at this point I'm being set free. I'm giving Jesus my life at 10 years old. And, and as soon as I accepted Jesus, I'm like, okay, I can go up there now because now I'm good enough. And part of my life, it's like you think you're always waiting just to be good enough. And when you look at that in your life and you're like, you actually feel as if you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was good, but it was like I was saved at 10 years old. And it was like taking a diamond that you just found in the rough and accidentally dropping it back in the dirt. And now you got to find that peace again. Yeah. Now you got to find that resolve again because you're a brand new Christian. You go back into a trashy environment. Right? Yeah. that is so. And so now, now the world's pulling at you. Right? Mm-hmm. You just you just dumped all your broke. You just backed a dump truck up with all the brokenness in it. At ten years old, you unloaded all your garbage. You pulled off, and it was like, man, this truck's cruising good. You go back into this environment to pick up some more trash, except you're picking up other people's trash now. Mm-hmm. And so, it it was kind of in that brokenness where it's like. Now you know there's a savior, but now you're back in this entrapped prison of brokenness and environment, friends. And it wasn't a good environment for me as a kid. How did you eventually get out of that? Um, I don't think there's ever really one reason, but if I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about it, there's a lot of things that come to mind. (laughs) And, you know, some of the things... I guess what I would say is that I point to them as very valuable points. It's like the big things in life. You know that they make or break you. You're like, that was a turning point in my life. And how I handled it, I didn't handle it so well, or I handled it well was that as it grew up, I got involved with other people who weren't necessarily good or were good for me. And so, you know, it's just you hang out with the wrong friends, you're doing drugs and, you know, you eventually live a life of just being tapped out where you're like, I'm partied out like this, this isn't fulfilling. And, you know, this is at a young age. Wow. And so um, I ended up dropping out of school, ended up uh, going to a place called Job Corps, which is kind of like reformed government school right yeah yeah so I went down there and I you know I mean that was just me that was that environment and I fit in there well because it was like I was different I didn't fit in where I fit in I never fit in and it was like so I come to this place and it's like and ever since then, all I've known is nothing but culture because it's like I went to this school I got my GD at 16 and that was kind of a turning point. And then it was like a little here, a little piece there. And then I I went and did a trade school with Job Corps. 
um, got back into partying and then I messed it up again. So you just have those ups and downs. But one of the turning points for me was when I joined the military. And so that really uh, changed my life. It made me a man, but it also brought in some more brokenness. Um, so, you know, the military was a turning point that brings me really out of my childhood. And the fact that now I'm no longer under someone else's supervision. And really, for the first time, I feel like the only person that's teaching me how to be my own parent, how to what they call nowadays adults, right? Mm -hmm. On your own. And, and it, was just, it was just like I had a drill sergeant telling me how to do that. You know, and back then it's like, I'm your mom now. It's like, okay, Roger that, you know. So the military aspect of it is, is that it made me a man. So the next point of brokenness comes out of the church. So, yes, and yeah. to know that, to know that is to say that the military made me a man. Mm -hmm. The military used me for combat for 14 years. Wow, that's a long time. Well, I mean, I say combat 14 years, but I was in 14 years. Um, half of that was spent in other countries during combat. The other half was spent preparing for combat. Right. Um, and, and just a couple key facts to know is just that, you know, when I was exiting the military, I broke my back jumping out of airplanes. Oh, so there's some more, there's some more brokenness. So, and then that's what leads to the church. Okay. So at this point, I'm being, I'm, I'm exiting the military um, as a drug addict because I had become addicted to opiates. Mm -hmm. And then um, got clean and became a pastor. Oh, wow. And so um, what I wasn't prepared for is that my expectations would have been crushed. And here's why. I had been through combat. I had been through many struggles in my life. Mm -hmm. And God had allowed those to happen. But God had walked through me those struggles with me everywhere right mm -hmm. and the context is that everywhere I was he was there with me regardless if I was by myself right. so I'm walking into my first church I'm you know a newly credentialed pastor and um and I thought man I had this picture in my head of the church being white picket fences and Everybody loves the pastor. And the first three months, um, it was awesome. After that, like the last six, seven years was just, and I don't, I will, I will describe it by saying that it was spiritually, physically, mentally, everything it was the hardest most crucial time of my life because now i'm in the church and what i found out was is things weren't the way they were 
with with this expectation of love and understanding and grace and everything that's taught in the Bible and that Jesus sets you free and then you should act accordingly to the laws of God, right? This is the way a Christian should conduct themselves. And I wasn't acting that way. They certainly weren't acting that way. So it was, I found that love was replaced with manipulation. People talked to you when they wanted or needed something. Mm -hmm. They didn't really want to be set free from their sins. They really wanted money to feed their void or they wanted something. And if you truly led people to God, if you fed the homeless, if you fed the needy, if you gave to the needy, I mean, you could literally go out and be Jesus to the world. And they'd still crucify you. You could never do enough. Yeah. So my my first church, they stopped paying me after two years. Oh. Unanimous decision. We said, we're, we're not resigning. God's not allowing us to leave. So we stayed there for an additional year, not being paid, lost everything, moved when God allowed us to go on to the next church, got there. And, you know, to be a pastor, you have to tell them about your past and all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, they knew my past going in. They knew about the, the, um, military retirement they knew about the drugs they knew about everything they knew about my ptsd right and they used it against me when i started growing their church oh my goodness eight months was my length of employment there my first sunday there was 24 people my last sunday exactly eight months later there was almost 90. That is good. The church is not, and let me let me say this for your listeners so that they understand, because I don't want to alienate them either, right. is that when I say the church, I don't mean the people. That is the church. When I'm talking church, I mean the organization and some of those who just want to be a part of the organization and they don't want to do God's bidding. They want to do their own. They have an agenda and that's not how Jesus works. So when I say church, I'm talking about the organization because I think we as believers are called to our own mission. We answer, we answer for ourselves when we go to heaven, we don't answer for someone else. So when we get there, it's like we're responsible for that. So I found that the church organization wasn't interested in doing what the Bible has directed us to do. They used it against me. I got fired and lost it all and lost house, vehicles, like friends, family. At this point in time, I was a pastor with with also a podcast 
and and I lost a national ministry because of it. The night I got fired, again, we see this brokenness. And again, you know, I was at fault too. Um, but I see this brokenness. I become so tired of who I was. I didn't even like the name that was on my birth certificate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what that feels like, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'd, I'd be better off dead. Wow. And I'm like, what, what do I do now? Yeah. I mean, really? And at the worst time of my life, God throws this idea of this dream in my head. And he's like, well, when you ain't got nothing else, you start over. Right. So I'm like, what do I do now? I mean, and I'm, I'm just, I'm walking around this parking lot and I'm, and I'm so angry and, and I'm listening to all the old hip hop and I'm just kind of freestyling and, and I'm just letting all my feelings out. I'm like asking every question. It's like a conversation between me and God. And I'm like, I will give you whatever else I have left with, which isn't much. I'll let you have that. If you just let me live my dream and let me do whatever I want, but I'll do it exactly for you. Right. I mean, so at night, walked away from it all. I'm like, family's asking me what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm going to go do, I'm going to, I'm going to go be a Christian rapper and I'm going to go start my own business called Missiology. And, and, and I'm going to travel the world because this is the image that I see in my head. And, and I'm going to go do it for those who have felt neglected and rejected and kicked out and less than all of the people who claim to be real Christians who are leaders of the church and all they do is suck off of those who really need the help. Right. right. And so I took that fire inside of me, you know, it's like people might see it like NF or Eminem where that light switch goes off. And I just Mm -hmm. like, at that point in my life, I killed off the old man inside of me. And I'm like, that night I was 230 some pounds. Right. You know, it was like, it was killing me physically inside and out. Yeah. It was killing my family. It was ruining everything. And I said, man, this is the second time I tried this. I'd be a fool to try it again. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm going to go live. I'm going to go be Jesus. I'm going to go do this dream thing. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking Two years to Easter, I released my first song. Oh, wow. That is amazing. 
That is awesome. Today, now I'm not saying it's completely global, but I have at least one or two listeners in 62 countries in the world. I'm happy with that. That is amazing. Now, I know you mentioned something about how you started your ministry, I think it's missiology, correct? Yes, ma'am. Because you wanted to reach out to people who were broken, people who were rejected, people who felt like they were less than. And I get that because sometimes people think that when they go to the church, you know, it's supposed to help with all that and fix all that. But unfortunately, a lot of times it has the opposite effect. And people sometimes leave worse than when they came, which is not how it should be. So tell me a little Mm -hmm. bit more about your ministry and missiology. And like, I know how it started, but I just want to hear more about it because I'm intrigued to see how you're actually reaching people who have been rejected, who are broken, you know, who are dealing with all of these issues and baggage from either their life, the church, et cetera. Okay. So, and, and this is really great because, you know, for all of you who are listening, you've kind of gotten a taste of this broken kid who, who has nothing to give back and um, experienced a lot of, of struggle. And we get to fast forward to today. Why is that important for your listeners? Because they need to understand that there is nothing special or important about me. Nothing whatsoever other than the fact that I now have a certain peace and that God can do it with anyone. Mm -hmm. The only, only thing in me that separates me from the rest of the world is Jesus. Right. And I like that you said that. Because that shows, like, how did you get to that point where you realized that the only thing that separated you from the rest of the world is Jesus? Like, what was that moment that got you to where you are now? So, I wanted to preface by saying that, because here we are, two, two and a half years later, missiology is a reality on paper, yeah. and as a business, as an LLC, but under that business, in that dream, I said, well, hey, I want to be an artist myself, but I need to figure out how to do it, Mm -hmm. and so two years later, I've, I've released multiple singles. I've released my first album, and on May 5th, I'm releasing, May 5th, 2021, I'm releasing my first single this year, which has now won multiple contests and is actively being passed around Nashville, Tennessee, which is home for me. That's amazing. (laughs) Oddly enough. So, but in that company, Missiology, it's not about that, but let me, I'm trying to explain that Missiology by textbook definition was built to help dreamers and those who are spiritually asleep awaken them to their kingdom purpose 
what is what does all that mean it's missiology is here when i started this i started this for you you guys right whoever wanted to be a part of it so that we could wake up people who have dreams and help them live them in an entrepreneurial standpoint so that's like saying everything that i've done over the last two years i'm sitting here waiting looking at my watch seeing when someone's going to call me to help replicate their business because that's what we're, we're making leverage for kingdom we're making leverage for hope we're making leverage because we love people and we don't want to see them die spiritually right you know, when I walked away, I I did that knowing that one day there would be someone who would say, why won't anyone give me the opportunity? You know? Yeah. Because my, my whole life, I feel like I've had very few opportunities. And every single one of them I fought for. Right. And... I just wished that at some point in my life, they would be like, yo, I see what you're doing. Like, like now I know this is the mission I'm on. So now missiology in its licensing is a label, entertainment, media company, branding company, coaching company. And I would not be doing all of that had it not been for the most high, right. I knew day one, it wasn't about me. So I've never done it for me. But at some point, God spoke something into my life. And upon face value, with the business mind and a business heart of God, mm -hmm. At face value, I took it serious enough to invest what I had left at that point, which was my heart, and that's all I had. And I believe that God is calling people who are that hungry, that are willing to sacrifice themselves on, on that cross that he did for him and to live out their purpose. I'll lead a group of dreamers. I don't care how group, how big the group is, but people need to start living their dreams. And I'm going to provide opportunities for people wherever I go That's amazing. With, without guarantee. But it's to say, you've got to be hungry enough to get it. And I have a striking thought that if Jesus were to come back and say, visit us, mm -hmm. the first place he would be is in the street, not in the church. You know, every day of my life, I wake up with a dream. Um, and, you know, it's like right now, I'm preparing for a new podcast uh, to drop right around the same time as the new song. Um, and that's called Cash Flow. And it's about my journey as a dreamer in the industry of music, the industry of life. So I'm going to be giving all my tips and advice on there about how to get your all stuff banging. And, you know, I'm dropping a book this summer about my military time, mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to be called Between Combat and Across. So I urge any of your people, if they're interested, and even if they just want 
another mind and they want a coach to just say, hey, I dig what you're doing. Sometimes you need that. Hit me up. I mean, it's not it's not free. Nothing ever is except for our relationship with Jesus. Right. That's the, but but it still is an investment. Right. You only yeah. get what you're willing to invest. So, um, you know, if you're willing to invest in yourself, um, I just challenge your dreamers, your sleepers, even. Hit me up. Um, you know, you can email me, DM me, whatever. I'm, I'm a pretty open person, dude. And I just want to I want to see you succeed this year. And I definitely want to see you get to dreaming and accomplishing that dream. That That's so Cash true. Memphis in a nutshell. I'm a dreamer. I wake up crazy every day for Jesus. And he tells me what, what to do. I mean, I've got a schedule. It's not like hearing a voice every day. I'm following him. And God is great. He's taken me from nobody. And he's kept me as a nobody. And I'm proud to be a nobody for somebody. So what advice would you give to someone who is looking for God but don't exactly know where to start to find him? There is no substitute for Jesus. If he is hitting your heart like that and you're like, I got to find God, he's right there with you. He's right there with you. Okay. He hears you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he cares about your spiritual well-being. Yeah. He, he, he cares about your family. He cares how much bread you have. He cares about the number of hairs on your head. Mm -hmm. And he's right there waiting for you to say, Father, I screwed it all up. And I need you to fix it for me. How, how, well, how can I fix it for you? Well, Lord, here's how he can fix it for you. You've got to give him everything. Like when you don't know how to drive the car, you got to give him the keys. I like that. I absolutely love this interview. One of the reasons I picked this interview is because this is the interview that made me realize that finding God is a journey and not a single event that happens to you once in your lifetime. Up until this point, I have been thinking, okay, you know, you find God, like Paul found God on the road to Damascus, and you find God in different situations, which is very true. So I'm going to stick by that. However, it made me realize that there's a process to finding God. And even though you may find God the first time, like in this instance, Cash found God when he went to camp, it was a process of finding God. He was introduced to God, so he found him. But to get to know God and get to know who he is and have a relationship with him, that's all a part of finding God. And it's not just one single event. It is a process that happens to us throughout our lifetime. So this is the interview that helped me to realize that finding God was a process and not just one single event that happened to you once in your life. So if you are at a point in your life where you feel as if you have found God, but feel that for whatever reason you need to keep looking for him, then be encouraged and know that finding God and having a relationship with him is a process and not just one single event. Now the song we're going to listen to today is by our artist of the week, Cash Memphis, and we're going to be listening to his single, We Made It. They 
call this music a game. I call it life. I live it and breathe it. I call it dreams with a meaning. It gave me new vibes. It gave me new season. I'm never late. I'm always on cue. I'm paying my dues and I'm cleaning my plate. Only way to get to the top is to treat it like I never left. Yeah, yeah. Playing that pine. Wanted the time. Build my own ladder. Go straight to the top. It doesn't matter. I don't hear the chatter. I know where we're going. I think they forgot. Not a space over here yet. Where I am, I keep it fresh. This sick hospital in my veins. It's gonna be the hole in your chest. Up in the distance, I see this vision calling me. Deep down inside, I hear it saying, set me free. The closer that I get, I hear it start to sing. We made it. The package, cat with the purpose and passion, ground with a swag and the vision to match it. We will not settle for average savage, I thrive in the trenches, let's have it. I'm on the saddle, riding armored and ready for battle, yeah, you see the maverick. Six shooter, can't have it, mom in the back, they stomping and clapping. Saints, we can have it, praise party going up, it's automatic. New chef, he's a baddie, walking the talk, it's almost cinematic. New chef, it won't tax it, what do you do with a bank check to cash it? We made it Wearing out the holes in our jeans We made it With our friends and hustling We made it Even with our heads in the clouds Hey, 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 hey We made it Wasn't by the skin of our teeth We made it With blood, sweat, and hustling We made it podcast i would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story of how people find god if you love the podcast as much as i love spending time with you i encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts i would also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show if you would like to get in contact 
with Cash Memphis or myself. All of our contact information can be found in the show notes and all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. I think that is all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.